scriptures. In fact, one I think is not even in your outline. But you all remember Mark Twain. Mark Twain used to love to go fishing. But actually, he didn't like the, the fishing part. He liked to just going out there because he said when you were fishing, people left you alone. They'd come out and say, oh, he's fishing. We'll leave him alone. We'll get him later. And they wouldn't bother you. But the problem was when you were fishing that every time a fish would bite the line that you'd have to deal with it. You had to pull the fish in. You'd have to take the fish off the hook and he'd just let them go. So he eventually came up with the idea of going fishing and he would just take a fishing rod, a line, and a bobber. And he'd put the fishing line in the, in the pond, creek, lake, wherever it was he was fishing. And he just put the bobber in there and he'd just sit and everybody would leave him alone and no fish would bite because there's no hook and there's no bait. And he got to, to do that. Sometimes, as Christians, we're fighting the devil with nothing more than a bobber. Because we've forgotten what the bait, what the hook is. We've forgotten what the power part is. And so we're doing all the right things. We look like to people on the outside that we are fighting the enemy. But we're not. We're just sitting on the sidelines, fishing with a rod, a line, and a bobber. Last week, we looked at a woman who was in bondage for 18 years by Satan. We looked at the assumptions that Jesus dealt with before in Luke chapter 13. And then we saw that he ministered to her and said that she was in bondage by Satan for 18 years. That meant she had something that God had no purpose for her to have. For 18 years, she was bent over and could in no way straighten herself up, the Word of God tells us. For 18 years. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we think that that should change because of their need. We expect God to move for us because we have a need. We expect God to change things because He's good. We expect change in our situation just because we're in the right place. But this woman was in the house of God. Certainly God was, was good, but it didn't change her situation. And the thing that changes is faith. And we have to get into a place where we have some bite. We have some, some punch into things. And we looked at the word that Jesus said here. When he said, woman, you are loosed, he used the word luo. And we looked at uh, what that meant. But as he spoke that word, and this woman who was bound for 18 years, Jesus said, you are now loosed from your infirmity. And she was still bent over. He had to go up and straighten her up. So a lot of times, the action has already been done to us, but we still stay in the same place. We haven't done anything about it. But at the end of that, we looked at in order for us to be loosed, from what we are bound to, someone or something must come against the thing that we need to stand against. We, something has to come against it. Either I have to come against it, something has to come against it. If we want to see a change, something has to come against the thing that we're after. So the question that was asked a lot was, how do we come against the thing? What is it that we do that comes against it? So we're going to hear some things. We've gone over this before, but we want to make sure that you're armed and equipped and ready to go out. We don't want to get you all fired up to go against something and not know how to go against it. First off, we need to understand Satan's ways. And so this will serve to remind you of some of the things we looked at before. But when our enemy wants to get to us, he sows a thought. That's what the devil was. The Word of God tells us don't be ignorant of the devil's tactics. What he does is consistent. And if we go through the Word of God, we'll find out what he does is he sows a thought. Back in the Garden of Eden, where it all started, what did he do? He sowed a thought. Has God really said? No, you see, he understands that the day that you eat of that fruit, 
you're going to have the knowledge of both good and evil. He sowed a thought. So people begin to think on this. They just begin to have that thought in there. Israel was in the wilderness. He kept sowing the thought, you're going to die out here. They're over by the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's coming up behind them. What's the thought he sows into them? You're going to die. The Egyptian army's going to come up and they're going to wipe you out. He sows the thought. They think on the thought. They have reactions that way. David was on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba. What did the devil do? Sow the thought. He began to think on that thought. And then what happened? Nothing good. Peter, after he was confessing that Jesus was Lord, goes up to Jesus and rebukes him for talking about his death and resurrection. And Jesus responds to Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God. What did the devil do to Peter? He sowed a thought. He heard what Jesus was saying, and the thought came in. That's wrong. That's not right. That's not the job of the Messiah. He needs to be doing this. So the, de- the tactic of the enemy is to come in and to sow a thought. That's what he's going to try and do. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. You can write that down. I don't think that made your outline. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal... But mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down what? Arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity. Too often we are held captive by thoughts instead of taking our thoughts and holding them captive. And this is the tactic of the enemy. If he can do this, he can win. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? How often do we do that? We look at things according to the outward appearance. We look at the economy and we have, we, we look at things, well, that's going to mean I'm going to be affected this way. We look at things according to the outward appearance. And on that outward appearance, we have a thought. The devil uses all kinds of things to get a thought into us. He will use what's going on around you. I put this in your outline. These thoughts are based on, first off, current events. What's happening now? How many of y'all have some stuff happening right now? When things happen now, what happens to our, in our head? Thoughts. I get thoughts about it. Some of those thoughts are good thoughts. Some of those thoughts are bad thoughts. But I have thoughts about it. There's also past events. How many of you have thoughts based on things that have happened in the past? There's also expected events or future events. How many of you have thoughts based on what you expect? Sure you do. It's called worry. (laughs) Worry is thoughts about things that haven't happened yet. You think they might happen. Looks like there's a good shot that they might happen. You expect them maybe to happen, but you don't know. And so you worry about it. So we have these thoughts that are based on current events. We have past events and we have expected events. The things expected are future events. We get these from reports. How many have ever received a report and based thoughts of expectations of what's going to come? Oh, that's going to be good for me. Oh, that's going to be bad. Oh, that'll be... I like that. Oh, I don't like that. We get reports... 
And those reports tell us, oh, I expect this thing to be good. Oh, I expect this thing to be bad. We have imaginations. We have reports and we have imaginations. I don't always need a report to get a thought about the future. I can imagine some stuff. How many of you have ever been minding your own business and all of a sudden a thought comes in, an imagination comes in of something that could happen in the future? I mean, some people, they're just sitting there just minding their own business. Oh, I could die tomorrow. I could have a car wreck and I could die tomorrow. You haven't died yet. But you begin to have that thought and you begin to base some things off of that. Expected events. We have reports. We have imaginations. The Word of God tells us to cast down arguments and every high thing. Cast down vain imaginations. We've got to get rid of those things. Often reports are twisted to lead one to an obvious conclusion. The devil will often come in and he will take things and twist them so that you reach an obvious conclusion. Have you ever had that? The devil always does this when he was in the garden. Did he not take what was true and twist it? Did he not alter? Was it true that Adam and Eve would have the knowledge of both good and evil? But he twisted it so that their conclusion would be that this would be a good thing. In the end, he knew it would be a bad thing. And it was a bad thing for them. Bad thing for all of us. But he twisted it. We see this all the time in the news media. The news media is always twisting events. They have taken audio recordings and they have altered them. Take what was in the beginning, put it in the middle. Take what was in the middle, put it at the beginning or the end so that they can change the outcome. And that by doing this, they change the way you perceive events. How many of y'all heard about the raid on Libya? It's that they couldn't keep it under wraps, but for the longest while, the media and the administration tried what? To say that there was, was the reason for it. The videotape. But only a handful of people had even seen the videotape. Most of the people over there in these countries don't even have internet access. How are they going to see the videotape? It was a, now it's coming out. Libya itself came out and just messed the whole thing up. They said, no, it was planned for months in advance. They all planned it for this day. They had chatter. They, had, uh, they heard that this, re- this attack was going to go on over a number of countries, but they just didn't act. They just didn't do anything to, to guard against it. The, the uh, Marines at, uh, I think, Cairo or, or Libya or one of those had no bullets in their guns. They weren't allowed to carry bullets, had bullets in their guns. And so when they came over the walls, it wasn't good. The things that were done to our Libyan ambassador... What we were told in the beginning was not what actually happened to him. He was tortured. He was taken to a safe house and that that safe house was exposed by the people who took him there. And these are supposed to be our allies. These are supposed to be the people that help us. But they couldn't keep wraps on it. I saw it one time uh, the president went on David Letterman and still blamed the videotape when that morning his own administration said, well, it was uh, pre-planned. It had nothing to do with the videotape. They used the videotape just to launch people. They told people in the streets, hey, they had this videotape. Let's go up and get upset. They had no idea what it was. They just heard about it. Now it's all come out. But how many of y'all know the first days when these things happened? What was everybody talking about? The videotape. Because they want you to draw an obvious conclusion. They tried to cover up the other one. This is what the news media does. This is why we tell you don't listen to them. They're not bringing you the truth. They're not trying to bring you to a conclusion other than the one they want you to have. Don't listen. It'll just, it just perverts those things. Same thing with the devil. The devil and the news media are about the same. Don't listen to the devil. He will constantly come in and bring a news report to you and twist it. Alter it in some way. 
because he wants you to believe something that's not exactly true. He wants you to act on something. He wants you to have behavior that goes on in a certain way that's not exactly right. Our enemy's work is often made easier by our tendency to believe a bad report. How easy is it for you to believe a bad report? <laughs> if you walk into work and you hear, you're going to get fired. That's an easier thing for you to believe than, oh, they're going to promote you. It's easier for us to believe a bad report. Right? It's easier to go into the doctor and believe uh, a bad report. Well, you're going to die. Then a report, well, you got his fatal thing, but you know what? I think he can come through. It's easier for us to believe a bad report. Beside that, bad reports spread faster. People like to talk about bad reports more than they do about good reports, which is kind of funny. If you don't believe me, remember the days when you used to watch the news media? What was the news about? Was it about all the good things happening around the country? Was it about all the good things that people did for one another? No. It's about murders, robberies, fires, accidents. It's about bad stuff. Why? Because people won't watch it if it's good stuff. <laughs> they watch it if it's bad stuff. America's funniest home videos are funny because bad stuff happens. If good stuff happened, it wouldn't be funny. <laughs> it's funny because bad stuff goes on. It's easier for us to believe a bad report. We're going to look at Jesus. Remember Jesus. How does he fight the enemy? When the devil took him into the wilderness and tempted him, what did Jesus say each time? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Each time, it is written. If you were here on Wednesday night, Brother Joe McGee was uh, teaching on this. That's what Ethel was talking about, about whipping stuff. He was talking about whipping things. You know, we just got to get up in the morning and just whip some things, just beat some things up. And he was talking about how Jesus did that. And he said that was the first time that man defeated the enemy with the word. That was good stuff. You missed it on Wednesday. Too bad. Because it was good. Can't help you on that one. Can't post that one. I don't have the rights to, to be able to do that one. Otherwise, I, I would. But boy, it was good. How does Jesus come up against them? First off, he used words. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty. They are words. When Jesus battled the enemy, he used words. He didn't use thoughts. The enemy comes when he wants to get you. He sows a thought. Now the thought will grow and become something. But Jesus uses words. Where do those words come from? First of all, they came from scriptures. There were scriptures that he would say. He would call for results. Lazarus, come forth. That's not a scripture, but it was a call for something. When, the, when he goes up to the dead girl, she doesn't, she's not dead, but she sleeps, and they all laughed at him. They, and he put him out. I say to you, little girl, arise. He spoke to things. He called for things. This is the way that he battled. He made declarations of truth, but they were words. If you want to fight the enemy... Use your words. But it's not just any words. They're words that are based on faith. They have to be based on the faith of God's word. Those are the words that are powerful. We can speak all kinds of words, then there's no power in them. When Jesus was teaching the multitude, they'd say, this man teaches differently. There's power behind what he teaches. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good... 
And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. You have to increase the abundance. The devil can't get to your heart. So what he does is he sows thoughts. Thoughts have a way of getting in there and beginning to work down into your heart. You have a thought. Someone sows a thought into you. How many of you, growing up, people sowed nasty thoughts into you? People come up to you and they say, you're ugly. Everybody ever sowed a thought like that into you? You're no good. They'd say these thoughts. And after they say it often enough, what would happen? It'd get down into your heart. You believed it. You believed that you're ugly. Because people kept telling you that. And so it went from a thought to a belief in your heart. That's how it got down in there. He can't get to that directly, so he has to get there by thoughts. Getting you to think on the thought. Getting you to, to worry about the thought. How many times has he gotten people to worry about, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to succeed. This is I'm going to die. He gets you to think on that. If he gets you to think on it long enough, you worry about it, you get it down into your heart because he doesn't have access to your heart. He has access to your thoughts. He can drop something in your thought. That's why you got to stop it in your thoughts. That's why you got to bring those thoughts into captivity. If you want to resist the devil, if you want to resist the things that he does, stop it at the thought level. That's what we got to do. I got to stop it at the thought level. How many of you had evil thoughts about your boss? <laughs> well, stop it at the thought level. Don't let that go on. That's not, not from God. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Too often, Christians get a hold of this message and they think, I just got to change what my mouth says. No, you got to change what's in your heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. You can change what you say all you want. If you don't change the abundance, it won't have an effect. You're just damming up all those things. And after a while, you're damming up long enough and it'll spill over. You can't keep it down there all that time. That's what you got to do. Well, our fight, the Word of God says, is not with flesh and blood, but in our mind. It's not a flesh and blood fight, but it's in your mind. It's in your thoughts. You've got to battle your thoughts. You've got to have victory over your thoughts. If you want to resist the thing, if you want to come against the thing, come against it in your mind. Stop it there. As soon as it enters in, it, it, it comes into your mind. Stop it. I'm not going to think on that. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm not going to meditate on those things. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. There's a renewing of our mind. This is the battleground. It's not flesh and blood. Jesus doesn't go around punching people. Doesn't go around physically resisting them. When the thoughts come, he comes against the thought. He stops it right there. As soon as Peter comes against him and begins to sow this thought into him, you shouldn't be talking about all that sort of stuff. He comes against it. No, this is what the word of God says. This is that, That's not right. I'm not going to take those kind of thoughts. And that's how seriously we got to take it. 
when the foreign thoughts come in, when the thoughts come in that are against the Word of God, you need to come against it. When you are working on something for God, when you're going in a direction that God's called you and a thought comes in, you won't make it, you will fail. What should you say? Well, yeah, I guess so. I gave it a good shot. I just don't have what it takes. No, I'm letting that thought begin to get in my heart to where I believe it. What you've got to do is come against it. No, this is what the Word of God says. Yeah, but that's not what's happening. Yeah, but this is what the Word of God says. Yeah, but that's not what's going on. Yeah, but call for a change. The devil doesn't want you to call for a change. He wants you to tell you how things are. And as things are, they're always going to be. You've got to call for a change. In Mark chapter 14, verse 66, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were the, with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out to the porch... And a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, but you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. What would have happened if Peter recalled the words of Jesus to mind before he denied him three times? So this is where the battle was going in. It's in his mind. But he didn't recall the words that Jesus had given him into his mind until after it was done. Does it do any good then? Mm-mm. How many of you know that you've messed up? You had actions that were not right because, you know, all actions start as a thought. We think about it first and then we have the actions. How many of those actions would have been stopped after you did the action? You thought, oh, if I only remember that the word of God said this, I wouldn't have done that. But you did it. See, if that word comes to mind, you stop it. In Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you want life and peace, you've got to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. The devil likes to inflame a carnal mind, a mind that's just bent on believing things against the Word of God. There are some people that you give them the Word of God and they resist it. They're a carnal mind. But there are other people that you give them the Word of God and they hunger for it. They thirst for it. Oh, That's what the Word of God says. All right. And they think on that. And they meditate on that. And they take that in. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk... In the rest, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Where is your understanding? In your mind. If the devil can darken your understanding, he can keep you out. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. The devil wants to keep you bound. When Paul teaches us to pray for the unsaved, he says to Pray that the veil or the curtain over their mind, over their eyes, is removed so that their understanding, they can, they can get it. They can see it. Having their understanding darkened, 
being alienated from the life of God. When our understanding, when our mind is not renewed on the word of God, when our understanding is not of, of the things of God, we are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. An ignorant mind produces a blind heart, a hard heart, a heart that is resistant to the things of God. That's what an ignorant mind does. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on a new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because he understands this is where the battle is. Fear comes in because I entertain a thought. And that thought begins, I begin to believe that that thought's going to happen to me and I become fearful. Well, you're not supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to bring in those fears. Stop. If I have fear, then somehow I miss the thing of God. Because the Word of God tells us, I didn't put this in your outline, but it, it's true anyway. Perfect love casts out all fear. It's in First John. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. That's what God has given us. And so if I am walking in things contrary to that, I am not walking according to the things that God's given me. I need to get out of it. I've given into the things of the evil one, the enemy. I've given into his thoughts. First Peter chapter one. If you don't have all these things written down, they're all in your outline. First Peter one verse thirteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Gird up the loins of your mind. It means you got the op- you have the opportunity to take what goes into your mind and gird it up. Put it under control. Stop these things from going on. Your mind is not at someone else's dictation. It is yours. But you've got to gird it up. There's a lot of people that just let it go. And whatever whoever comes along can sow anything into their mind. And make them think all kinds of things. Those people are unstable. They're not walking in the things of God. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Being sober means you have a control of your mind. You can't do that if you don't gird it up. That's what we need to do. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1. Now, brethren... Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Second Thessalonians was written to the church at Thessalonica because they thought they were already in the tribulation. If you've been here when we were teaching on Thessalonians, you already, this is just review for you. But they were very interested in the things of the end times. 
And after Paul had written them and, and taught them some things about it, things in Thessalonica had gotten very hard. Tribulation was harsh. It was tribulation and persecution like you could not believe. And someone had written a letter to the church at Thessalonica in Paul's name and said, Church, I was wrong. We are in the tribulation now. And they were distressed. We were in the tribulation. And the things that were going on in Thessalonica were of such that it could pass as a tribulation. It was severe. It was strong. And so Paul writes this letter because they had written to him. They were asking questions about this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken. Now, later on, he's going to say in this chapter, we didn't put it here in the outline, but later on he's going to say that in order for the tribulation to come, in order for that to happen, the great catching away must happen first. Depending upon your translation, some have really botched that up. And some have said the great falling away as in an apostasy. We're not going to get into all the details. In order for that word to be an apostasy, it has to be teamed up with something else, and it's not. What it's talking about is the great catching away or the rapture. What Paul is saying is it is impossible for you to be in the tribulation because the great catching away has to happen first in which we are gone. But look at what he says here. Brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you, verse 2, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Too often, as Christians, we are easily shaken in mind or we are easily troubled. And we should not be. This is what he's teaching them. Now, he's talking about the end times. He's talking about seeing things that were going to go on, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. As if the day of Christ had come. And he's going to describe some things and be telling them that some events are going to happen and they're going to be coming quick. There are going to be a lot of events that are going to go on. But it's not that. Don't be soon shaken, he says. The Greek word here for mind is the Greek word nous, which describes everything in the realm of the intellect, including one's will, emotions, and ability to think, reason, and decide. So when it uses this word, it's talking about your intellect, your will, your emotions, your ability to think, reason, and decide. That's what it's speaking about when he uses this word. It identifies the ways the enemies will try and shake you up. It's identifying how he's going to come against you. He's going to use events. He's going to use circumstances. He's going to use things that happen in your life and begin to sow thoughts in you, in you about, well, this is how it's going to bring you down. This is how this is going to end up. This is what it's going to do. This is the effect it's going to have on you. And you begin to think on these things. You begin to ponder these things. We've got to identify the ways the enemy will try and shake us up. If I can identify the ways that the enemy will try and come at me, then I can defend better against them. I've got to prepare myself. And I have to decide not to be shaken. You've got to decide not to be shaken. How many have ever enjoyed, maybe when you were little, growing up sometime, maybe even now, how many have ever enjoyed going into a haunted house? You know why? Because you made the decision that you wanted to be shook up. Right? Why else are you going in there? I used to love going into haunted houses when I was little. You know, because they shake you up. I just, I, yeah, come on. 
trying to shake me up. And, they, and some of them did. And then I, I got more into the things of the Word and found out, you know, things that, that well, they just weren't going to be scary anymore. And all of a sudden, I realized there's nothing to be afraid of. And I'd walk through a haunted house and nothing. It didn't shake me up. It didn't disturb me. No matter what it was that was creepy, jumping at you, I just didn't respond. It was actually, they would, some of the the kids I grew up with, some of my family members, they would take me on through just for the fun of seeing me not do anything. Because I just didn't react to them anymore. But initially, I liked it. See, I made a decision. I wanted to be shook up. I got to decide not to be shook up. I got to decide. All right, I know I'm going into a haunted house and they're going to throw some stuff at me. They're going to throw some, they're going to put some things at, at me and I've got to decide not to be shook up. How many ever went out and saw that movie Jaws? Anybody see the first one? The other one's kind of fake, but the first one, you know, was pretty intense, scary movie. And uh, my sister and her friend had gone to see it first. I didn't go out there and see it. They saw it first and so they had already seen it. And so I was going through this stage, you know, they take me through haunted houses and nothing's scaring me, nothing's phasing me. I'm just, you know, it's, it's no effect. And so they said, all right, we're going to take you out to see this movie. And if you can go through the whole movie and not react, not respond, not close your eyes, nothing. And I don't know what the bet was, but whatever it was, it was, it was out there. And I decided it sounded like a good bet. And so I went with them. And since they had already seen the movie before, they were watching at certain parts of the movie that were certainly scary. You know, there are certain parts in that movie that don't have the music leading up to the eventual shark coming up and biting someone. There were parts of the movie that all of a sudden just kind of jumped at you. And there was one in particular, if you saw the movie, I'll tell you the, the scene, you probably remember it. There, uh, the divers are coming up to the boat and they see the shark bite on the boat and there's a hole in the boat. And they reach up into the boat. I think they reached up into the boat. But whatever happened, the head of the person that was in the boat, used to be in the boat, kind of fell down. And, and, and um, I reacted. <laughs> it messed me up. I lost the bet on that little scene right there. It made it through the rest of the movie just fine, but I, I lost it there. And so I um, closed my eyes. I did something. And they said, ah, we got you. <laughs> they did. I reacted to it. But um, if we know what's coming, we can prepare for it. I can be ready. Know how the enemy is going to come get you. We all have certain areas that it seems that the devil can get in us a little easier than others. I've got to realize, all right, this is the area he's gotten in before. I need to prepare. I need to get this thing taken care of. If you were in the old days, in the Bible days, and you had a city and cities were protected by walls and the enemy came and every time the enemy came, they kept getting through one section of the wall. What would you do as the king or the ruler of that city? You'd fortify that section. You make that section the strongest of all the sections of the city because they keep reaching it right there. So we got to make that one stronger than all the ones, all the other ones. That's what you'd come out and do. If the devil keeps getting you, in one particular area, then you need to shore that up. And you need to decide, I'm not going to be shook up in that area anymore. He's not going to get me to think on those things. How many of you, you know, you maybe you can resist financial reports. You do real good with that. But you get a bad report from a doctor and it just seems to shake you. Maybe you can do real well with the doctor reports. But you get a, a bad report on something that's going on in the family or a friend. And that just shakes you. Whatever it is, is there something that just comes against you and it just seems that you give in to easier and it controls your thoughts? If so, you've got to shore that up. How do you shore it up? 
Go back to what your weapons are. If the devil comes against you with thoughts, you come against the thought with the word of God. So you've got to know what the word of God says in those particular areas. Because for all of us, some of us know some parts of the word better than others. Some of us have really studied healing scriptures and we're set on that. But we haven't done so well in the financial scriptures. And the devil can get in there. Some of us have been real good on the financial scriptures, but the devil can get at, get at us a little bit in the worry area. We need to get a hold of these things. Fear, anxiety, the devil can get in. Oh, I just become afraid of things so easily. When you were little, you know, if somebody just sowed a thought, oh, there's a bee man in the closet. Oh, man, you're just upset all night. You just can't sleep. Oh, that boogeyman's, I know that boogeyman's in the closet. They told me the boogeyman's in the closet, right? But now, you know, you grew out of that. Why? You meditated on things, got yourself out of that. And so people can say there's a boogeyman in the closet and you just laugh at them. <laughs> boogeyman in the closet, that's ridiculous. You got to understand where he's, where he's coming from. Let me read this verse to you again. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken. In other words, don't be so quick to be shaken by these things. Have you ever had it in your life where you are going along fine and all of a sudden a phone call, a report, a letter, something comes to you and you go from being fine to being shaken? This is what he's talking about. Don't be soon shaken. If you can be soon shaken, you are a viable target. Don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter. Either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. There are certain vehicles which reports come that we seem to be more susceptible to than maybe our brothers and sisters in other areas. I got to find out what are those areas and I got to shore them up. I got to know what the word of God has to say about it. I want to read to you an expanded translation about this section of scripture. Some things will be happening right before his coming that should, that could shake you up quite a bit. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic that they could really leave your head spinning. Occurrences of such a serious nature that many people will end up feeling alarmed, panicked, intimidated, and even unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could nearly drive you over the brink emotionally, putting your nerves on edge and making you feel apprehensive and insecure about life. I wish I could tell you these incidents were going to be just a one-shot deal. But when they finally get rolling, they're going to keep coming and coming one after another. That's why you have to determine not to be shaken or moved by anything you see or hear. You need to get a grip on your mind and refuse to allow yourselves to be traumatized by these events. If you let these things get to you, it won't be too long until you're a nervous wreck. So decide beforehand that you are not going to give in and allow fright to worm its way into your life, mind, and emotion until it ruins your whole life. Now, that's a very long expanded translation, but the Greek actually bears all that out. All those Greek words are very powerful Greek words, and it, it brings all that out to you. Things are going to come against you. We think coming against it is, well, God, please stop these things from happening. 
But that's not what this verse teaches us. It teaches us that, hey, these things are going to, they're going to keep coming. The devil is going to keep trying to come after you. One after another, after another, things will come against you. But it's all right because the weapons of our warfare are not, but they are mighty. They are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're not, they're, they're not weak weapons. These are good weapons. These are weapons that are, are, are fantastic weapons. How many of you ever like watching the military, military channel and seeing all the new things that the uh, military has developed? Oh, it is awesome. Because you just don't get that in the movies. The movies just doesn't, doesn't tell you all the different things they have. That, I mean, even just something, something as simple as a grenade. They've made so many advances in something as simple as a grenade. And the things you can do with a grenade now compared to just, you know, pulling the pin and tossing it. Not anymore. <laughs> They've got grenades specialized for all kinds of purposes. And they got different ways of firing the grenades. I got so many different things that one that just, I told people this over and over. I love this one little thing they came up with. If they had a sniper out in the woods, they got this uh, Hummer. It's all got all kinds of gadgets on it, including a machine gun. And uh, one of the things that happened was if a person would fire, the echo would be of such that you couldn't tell where this person fired on you from. But this machine could tell it. All you got to do is shoot one time. You don't get a second shot. The machine finds you. It loads the machine, the computer, aims the gun, and takes out the target. You want to hide behind a tree? Fine, we'll still get you. <laughs> this thing will take you out. I mean, those are, those are some neat toys. And you see all the might and other things that they're developing. These are powerful. You look at the aircraft carriers and the battleships and the things that are out there now and the, the stuff that they can do. The submarines. One submarine, I heard this years ago. I'm sure it's different now, but years ago, one submarine could take out an entire city. One submarine. You get in undetected, take out an entire city and get away. The weapons of our warfare in the natural are mighty. But in the spirit, they're really mighty. No matter how great the enemy is, the weapons of our warfare are mighty. And this is how it is. Look at how Jesus did it. Jesus used the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. And every time a thought came against him, he would take the Word of God and he would tie it up with the Word of God. He would captivate that thought with the Word of God. That's what we got to do. If we want to come against the things that are coming against us, we come against it with the Word of God. It's powerful. But there needs to be an abundance. You got to spend time putting down in your spirit, in your heart, abundance. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not out of the abundance of the head. It's out of the abundance of the heart. That's where the mouth speaks. Jesus in Mark 11, he was talking about whatsoever things you say to this mountain. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into this, to the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have the thing that he says. They are powerful weapons. If what you say can pick up a mountain and throw it into the sea, what you say is a powerful weapon. Now, here's what happens. We hear the reports of people. We hear the reports of the economy. And don't listen to the news media about the economy. The news media is so confused about the economy. 
The news media has been trying to say we've been in a recovery since 2009. They just came out with a report. They were all happy because it's almost like machine guns reports out there. We're getting all this kind of new stuff that the economy has finally bottomed out and we're doing better. If we've been in a recovery since 2009, how come we just bottomed out? I didn't quite understand that. <laughs> but they were all basing it. It's, it's amazing. When you got down to the brass tacks, what the news media this week was talking about, the economy is doing better. They based it. You know what they based it on? A census. They based it on a census. If you get down to the brass tacks, what they based all their good stuff on, they based it on a census. That, and here's what they based it. It's laughable when you see what they do. They based it on the fact that more people are moving. That was the census. Now, if you were thinking, all right, well, moving means people are buying homes or you know, moving to new jobs or things like that. Moving might be a good, good thing. How much, how much percentage-wise would you expect that report to be based on? 10% moving? 10% increase? 20% increase? 30% increase? You would be wrong. The percentage was 0.4%. 0.4% increase of people moving. It went from 11 point something to 12 point something. In all, it was 0.4% people moving. And they were gaga over all this. Is there anything solid to base that on? No. You know what you base it on? The Word of God. The Word of God is solid. What's the, what did Jesus say about your finances? The Word of God took Abraham to a land that was in famine and said, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> and he did. God can bless you whether the land is in famine or whether the land is in abundance. God can bless you. God can do all kinds of things for you. But you've got to believe in the report that God says. You've got to believe what God is saying. You can't believe what the world says. If your faith is built on what the news media says, then the news media can destroy your faith as quick as it builds it. Build it on what the Word of God says. Don't even listen to those guys. They're basing reports off of really stupid stuff. When you come against the things that come against you, you come against it in your thoughts and you come against it with the Word of God. The only way you can do that is to continually know the Word of God. That's why here in Sunday's services, Wednesday night services, we are always covering different topics. We move from one time, even when we're on the same topic, like this last one we were on for about a half year, every four or five weeks we change the, the subtopic of it. You ever, you ever notice that? We'll always change the subtopic of it. We're looking at some, we're looking at uh, the things with um, steady and stubborn and so forth. We were looking at all kinds of different aspects of it because we're trying to get you to understand the Word of God so you are sharp on the Word of God and you have plenty of Word of God to come against it. Every four or five weeks, that subtopic will change. We move into something else. Still looking at it from the overall perspective of stubborn or steady. But you've got to know what the Word of God says. You've got to be armed with it. Too often, when a thought comes in our mind, we combat it with thoughts. We combat it with advice from the world. We combat it with past experience. We combat it with future expectations. We don't combat it with the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about you in that situation? Well, I don't know. Well, then find another believer who does know. That's where they're there to help out. Find somebody else. Do you know what the Word of God says for this? I'm having trouble in this area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got some scriptures for you. And you go out there and you meditate on those scriptures. And when the thought comes back in, what do you do? Oh, but the Word of God says this about me. It said, I'll be blessed in going in, blessed in coming out. It said, I'll be the head, not the tail. It said, my God loves me. My God cares for me. 
And it might, it says in the word of God that if he clothes the sparrows and the flowers as majestically as he does, how much more is he going to take care of me? See, I think I thought, hold it into captivity, drive it out. That's what we got to do because thoughts are always coming against you. The devil is always coming against you with thoughts. He's trying to put the thoughts in there, trying to put these things in there. But out of the abundance, the heart, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Get the abundance of the word of God in you. To come against things from the enemy. Here's the summary. First off, guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. When a thought comes in, compare the thought to the word of God. Know what the word of God is. Take that thought, compare it. All right, does that thought measure up to the word of God? You're going to die. You're going to be broke. You're going to have that. No, that doesn't measure up with the word of God. All right, what's the word of God say? Word of God says this. I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to think on that. That's how you guard your thoughts. Speak faith-filled words. Put abundance in you so that when you are speaking, you are speaking faith-filled words. You're speaking words like, I am the head. I am not the tail. My God has delivered me from all sickness and disease. Jesus Christ bore my sickness in his body so that I don't have to. By his stripes, I am healed. These are the things that I think on. And I go through the word of God and I find these things out. And I think on them. I I meditate on them. I speak those things. I speak them because I believe them. Because I meditate on them. I don't know what it says. If you have thoughts, well, God's going to send me to hell. Because I'm no good. Think thoughts of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's in the word of God. I am the seed of Abraham. Speak faith-filled words. And create a a correct abundance in your heart. Create it. Feed it. Put in your heart an abundance of the word of God. Get what you can on Sundays and Wednesday night services. Go on home. Read the word of God. Meditate on the word word of God. Listen to songs. Listen to things that minister to you that way. Listen to the word of God on MP3s. Hear the word of God on a regular basis. Keep feeding your spirit. Put an abundance in there. Because when you have an abundance in and you get squeezed, what comes out? Once you have an abundance, it will come out. But it's got to be in there in order to come out. And so when you get stressed, when the word of God is, is put in, uh, you're, you're put under trial, you're put under test, word of God comes out. Create an abundance in your heart. Don't put this one in your outline. But actions will come out of these things. You will have actions of faith, not actions of sin, not actions of disobedience, as the word of God was telling us before. You'll have actions of obedience. You'll have actions of faith. And this is what we do. This is how we come against it. Oh, but that sounds so simple. Well, yeah. It is simple. Get the thoughts in our head under control. Guard them. Guard your thoughts. If Adam and Eve would have done that in the garden, I'm not saying it wouldn't be like it is today. Somebody else along the line may have have faltered. But we know that because they didn't, we're in the mess that we're in. Other people in the Word of God are in a mess because they didn't guard their thoughts. Cain killed Abel because why? He didn't guard his thoughts. Judas betrayed Jesus. Why? Because he didn't guard his thoughts. The Word of God says that Satan entered into the heart of Judas. Why? 
Because Judas, just in, just in the previous spot, said, why wasn't this taken out and sold, the money given to the poor? And he said, it didn't say this because he wanted to give money to the poor. It's because he stole out of the treasury. And he wanted to have more money there to steal from. And when he saw Jesus do that, the devil saw an opportunity to take that thought and get down into the heart. That's how he got there. Guard your thoughts. Speak faith-filled words. Create a correct abundance in your heart. And you will see that your actions that you do will be out of the abundance of your heart. They'll be actions of obedience, actions of faith. You want to combat the enemy? You want to resist the enemy? Guard your thoughts. Be careful what you think on. Be careful what you meditate on. Be careful what's what's going on in that gray matter upstairs. You'll you'll get messed up in it. Would you all stand up with me? We've got to be careful of the thoughts that come into our head. We've got to listen to the Word of God and do as He has said. We have talked about a number of things specifically for the members here at this church that things have gotten into our thoughts. For some, some of you, we've had words before. Hope that some of you listen to it, that some of us were getting too critical about people that are around us. What is that critical? That's, that's not guarding your thoughts. That's not taking what the Word of God says about thinking the things we're supposed to be thinking. And you're criticizing how other people do things and how other things, other things are... No, don't do that. Don't be messing with that. Don't be looking at other people over there thinking about, you. what am I doing? How am I going about this? Look at your situation. How is the Word of God going to help me? And get yourself out of it and then find other people They'll see, oh, look at the abundance. Can you help me out with mine? And they'll come over and they'll ask you. And then you can help them one out with theirs. But you're not going to get there being critical, being nasty, thinking bad thoughts about them. It's not going to help you out. Guard your thoughts. Let's pray here. With every head bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here today and you have not been guarding your thoughts as you should be, and your thoughts have been ruling you, and you need to have a victory in that area of thoughts. Raise your hand. We want to pray for you. In the area of thoughts. All right. If you're here today too, and you know the key to victory is being born again. If anyone here it does not have Jesus in your heart, we want you to receive Jesus here this morning so that you can have that going on. You can have that victory. If you haven't received Jesus in your heart yet, raise your hand. We want to pray for you this morning. Anyone at all? All right. Then we're all born again. That's good because that's what we need to have. We got some folks got some thoughts going on. Some things are some areas they need the victory in. We want them to have the victory. If we're uh, in a place and our thoughts are doing okay, glory be to God. And don't think, well, I'm just not understanding anything. No, you can have a place where you can be victorious in your thoughts. God wouldn't tell us to be victorious in our thoughts if we couldn't actually walk in a place where we were. But maintain it, keep it going. Let's pray for those folks right now. Father God, we thank you for those who raised their hand that have acknowledged that have seen that all right the enemy is getting in over here we need to shore this up i thank you for the help that you you give them in your spirit i thank you for the help of other believers that are around them to help them to understand the word of god to understand how they get that situation turned around in their life father we thank you for the help that you give each one of us that the enemy comes against us in our thoughts his goal is to sow a thought It always has been his tactic. It always will be his tactic because it works. It is successful in most cases. But it does not have to be successful. We can stop it. We can take every thought captive instead of the thought taking us captive. So, Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. That we have abundance. We have a good abundance 
in our heart. And we speak out of that a good abundance. We speak faith. We thank you for the things that you teach us. Every day we walk with you, you teach us new things. You open up our eyes to see. We're mindful of how to fight the enemy. We're mindful of what our, our, our weapons are. We're mindful that they are strong and they are mighty. And that compared to the enemy, they will wipe him out. We are mindful of the power behind the Word of God. And just as Jesus chose no other weapon than the Word of God to combat the devil, we don't need any other weapon either. It is the only weapon that we need. The sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken Word of God. It is ours. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you would like prayer for something specific going on in your life, maybe something that one of the things in your thoughts that you raise your hand for or something else, and you like prayer for specific things, you can come on up here to the front. We will pray for you for those specific things that are going on in your life. Father, we go out this week and we thank you for the help that you give us. Our steps are ordered of you. Our mind is guarded and protected by the Word of God. We listen to what you had to say. We come against the attacks of the enemy. We don't let him have free reign in our mind to sow whatever seeds he wants to sow. We take authority over those thoughts. We hold them captive and we pull them out. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This week, Wednesday night, we'll be into something new. We can, we'll post that up on Facebook for you to, to check out. And um, also Saturday, the ladies have their brunch at 10. Have a good rest of the week. Greet some folks before you go.